we have been together the last seven, maybe eight weeks into this study of the coming of the Lord. And so we are now at chapter 20 of Revelations, which speaks about 1,000 years of peace. And verse 1 goes as follows. Follow me in your scripture. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. That's a good thing. Verse 3. And he cast him into the... Here's a better thing. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut it up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the image, the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years has expired, have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went out on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Mm -hmm. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I don't intend for me to be one of those anyones. How about you? No, no. Stretch your hands in my direction. Would you do me an honor by praying for me this morning? And I want us to honor the Lord together. Come on and go ahead and breathe that prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for resurrection power. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the brothers and sisters who are here today and those who will be brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Oh God, give us fresh anointing for this hour. Say amen, church. Give us fresh oil, fresh fire, fresh energy. All of us, God. Don't let it be about me. God, I'm so prone sometimes to think about uh, uh, things that have to do with my flesh, and I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I pray it will be about you and about what you want to say to us. Everybody here has a need of some kind, but I pray the Word of God will be relevant to everybody's need. We break the distraction of the devil. We break the curse of sin and death and hell over our lives. And we reapply the blood of Jesus to us. Because of your promises, we are alive and living in you. Thank you for your Word. And everybody say amen. And amen it is. Thank you very much. You may be seated. And if you will, as a parallel text... In just a little while, I want to take you to the book of Isaiah, and I think perhaps we will look at the 35th chapter, if you want to use uh, a marker for that purpose. It was 1969. I remember where I was. Perhaps you do, if you were alive. I used to not have to say that. And Apollo 11, Apollo 11 landed on the moon. 
in fulfillment of the uh, challenge of President John F. Kennedy in 1962 or somewhere around there where he, where he said, because of the technical, technological ingenuity of Americans and scientists and space travel, that he said we should attempt to put a man on the moon by the end of this decade, meaning the decade of the 60s. And they did. Those men were Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. The motto of Apollo 11 was, we come in peace for all mankind. There is today, at the sea of tranquility on the surface of the moon, a plaque with those words. We come in peace for all mankind. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong experience a peace on the surface of the moon that they never experienced on the surface of the earth. You know why? Because there were no other humans there. That's the truth. Nobody else but them. Since the fall of man and woman in the Garden of Eden, we have been in pursuit of peace. Peace. We all want peace. We try all kinds of things for peace. You buy these minivans that you who have children still growing up. You buy these SUVs. And uh, you don't have to have a lot of, of the... Uh, Extra bells and whistles, but you would like to have a DVD screen for your children in the seats behind you. But that's not enough. You want to get your child and children their own air pieces because you want peace in your car while you drive. Can I get a witness? Peace. We, we do all kinds of things. If we could just have... A little bit of peace. I don't want a thousand years of peace, Jesus. Just a day. Some of you are going to have Thanksgiving family events. And you're playing the family game that all of us know how to play the family card. We got some folks coming. We wish they would see a detour sign on the interstate that will take them Someplace else. Because with them, there is no peace. We, play, we know how to play the family game. Some of us are going to family. Is my wife here? She was in the first. We, we, we're going to family. That we want to keep our marriage peaceful. And that's the only reason we're going to that. Peace. And you, you know, we... We just want peace. Ever since Cain killed his brother Abel in the Garden of Eden, the world has wanted peace. Historians tell us in the last 4,000 years of recorded world history, last 4,000 years of recorded world history, there hasn't been 100 years consistently of no wars. Every politician hoping to ascend to political office will promise us peace. It hasn't happened yet. It could be that we say about this thing of peace, it's a hope that is yet unrealized. And as we study this book of Revelation, the Bible tells us that God is going to establish His kingdom on the earth one day, and it will be a period of time known as the millennium, a thousand years. The word millennium comes from two Latin words, million annum, which means 1,000. Now, just to, just to kind of get you up to date, not to get bogged down in, in where we have been, but to show you where we have been. In this timeline, every week I've shown it to you because we've talked about the coming of the Lord and how close we are. 
And I have told you repeatedly that we are in the age of the church right now, after the cross of Jesus Christ. It's been 2,000 years. We're just waiting for the coming of the Lord. We're living on grace. We really are. We're living on grace. Here we are in the 21st century. I'm shocked and appalled that we are in the first decade, just about over now, the first decade, in a, in a month, and a, uh, maybe 35, maybe 40 days out from this decade being over. Waiting for Jesus to come. I told you that we are waiting on the rapture. Everybody say the word rapture. The word rapture means uh, catching away, snatching away. Uh, and what it means for everybody saved is that we are going to be snatched out of the world in the moment so fast that as fast as it takes for you to twinkle and blink your eyes, that's how fast we're going to be out of here. That's fine with me. And the people that are going to be left behind are the unsaved people. That rapture thing can happen any day. Just read your Bible, read your newspaper, Okay. And then the Bible says that that all of us who were born again and those who died waiting for the rapture will go up also. We are seven years in heaven. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The earth is in seven years of tribulation. Tribulation means trouble. It means hell on earth. It means an invasion of hell on the earth. For seven years, God is going to allow a series of judgments. I preached about them. I won't preach about them again. Series of judgments. And they call seal judgments and bowl judgments and trumpet judgments that will cause chaos on the earth, in the earth, beneath the earth, on the sea, on in the air. Chaos in the elements, in the animal kingdom. As such, like this world has never seen, because during those seven years, God is going to be saying to the world, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I have tolerated sin. I have tolerated blasphemy. I have tolerated rejection of my son. Uh, God is going to be saying to the world, to all those who are alive and remain, and to their predecessors, those who preceded them, that I have given humanity and mankind hundreds and thousands of years to get it right and get redeemed. But now, judgment is sure. You don't want to be here. That's what I've been preaching this whole series about. If you've heard anything I said, you don't want to be here. You don't have to be here. Do you know during that seven-year tribulation time, one half of the world's population that are left behind are going to die because of the judgments and the violence committed against them? And then, and I told you that the Antichrist is going to come to power. The Antichrist is going to be a man who's going to come to power, not as the Antichrist, but as a man of peace, as a man of charisma, as a man of charm, as a man of miracles, because the devil is going to give him power to do miracles, and he's going to be seen as the Messiah in Christ. Well, then he's going to turn on everybody eventually in that seven years. He's going to require everybody to have a mark on their hand or their forehead that uh, announces this mark, being a microchip of some kind, announces a person's allegiance to the Antichrist. But at the same time, it allows them to buy groceries, gasoline, food, have housing, have shelter, have transportation, and have some kind of peace in his kingdom. Anybody who doesn't take the mark will be marked by the Antichrist for death because it will announce to him that they are against him. And so what I'm saying to you is you you don't want to be here. You don't have to be here. You think you won't get saved during the tribulation if you get behind. You're left behind. You are fooling yourself. You're going to be a marked person if you serve the Lord. And if you do get saved during the tribulation, again, I'm repeating myself, it will be because you have to go hide out someplace away from everybody else because if anybody knows you are saved and you're not serving the Antichrist, they're going to turn you into his kingdom and they're going to kill you and the one who turned you in they're going to get more groceries more food and more rewards for turning you in it's going to be a kingdom of hell it's going to come out as a kingdom of peace but a kingdom you don't, you don't want to be here somebody say I don't plan to be here <laughs> me too and what happens is at the end of the seven years the antichrist is going to go for world domination he's going to hate God hate Jesus because, because even all the saints are gone Jesus is going to still be preached and while it won't be easy, people will get saved. They're going to die if they're going to make it to heaven, if they get saved, die by their testimony. But God's going to keep them until another resurrection. Can I get another amen here? Okay. But, but my, my point is, I'm just telling you this so you'll know to tell somebody else, don't stay here for that. Okay. At the end of the seven years, we're going to a time known as the, the, the Battle of Armageddon. The armies of the Antichrist, his vice president, who is known as the Beast, and the armies of Satan, the, the, the unholy trinity, the Antichrist, Satan, and the beast, they are going to fight against the armies of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, which is the holy trinity. Can I get another amen? 
And this, this battle is going to take place. It's the war to end all wars. You heard the word Armageddon. That's a biblical word. There is a place in the Middle East known as the Valley of Megiddo. There is a place in the Middle East that's also called the Valley of Jezreel. It can be 200 miles long, depends on the lay of the land. And it also is about a mile wide in many places. On that battlefield, these two armies will get together. There will be approximately 300 million to 400 million people fighting on that battlefield. When that battle is over, because we are coming back with Jesus from heaven, and He is going to lead the armies of heaven, He is going to fight the battle. There, the Antichrist is going to be destroyed. Can I get an amen? There, the vice president of the Antichrist, who's known as the false prophet, is going to be destroyed. There, Satan's going to be destroyed. All three of them are going to be bound up and cast in the bottomless pit and the lake of fire and hell, and the Antichrist and false prophet will never bother us again. If you're glad, somebody say amen. That's Armageddon. Then God is going to usher in His 1,000 years of peace, the kingdom of God. Now, let me see if I can give you just a little background here. This, what you need to understand and appreciate is that though the word millennium is not mentioned in the Bible, the 1,000 years of peace is mentioned six times in the first seven verses of Revelation 20. You need to also understand that in the Old Testament alone, there are well over 100 specific prophecies that relate to the Messianic earthly kingdom. Anybody ever heard of this uh, thing known as kingdom age? I have, and I'm not setting you up. But the kingdom age is one of the most profound doctrine of the scriptures. And this 1,000 years after once we get past Armageddon, because I say we, I don't plan to be here, but I'm we because I'm coming back with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is going to set up a throne in the new city of Jerusalem. Here's what's going to happen. Je the book of Zechariah tells us that when Jesus comes to set up this thousand years of peace, that he is going to descend on the Mount of Olives from which he ascended. Thousands of years, 2,000 years ago. And when his feet touches on the Mount of Olives, the mountain is going to split in half and create a wide chasm and valley. It's going to be a major earthquake and dividing the city of Jerusalem in three sections. And the earthquake will cause the mountain, the Mount of Olives, to divide. Out of that valley is going to flow a river, Zechariah. Tells us about it. A river of life. It will flow to the west into the Mediterranean Sea from Jerusalem. Did you know today there are no rivers in Jerusalem? None. But then there will be. It will flow to the west into the Mediterranean Sea, but it will also flow to the east. Unusual, because rivers don't generally flow in two directions, opposite. It will flow so much into the into the eastern direction, it'll flow into the part of the Middle East known as the Dead Sea. I've been there one time, and some of you have in your travel. And when they say Dead Sea, they mean it's dead. The salt content of the Sea of Galilee is so high in proportion to the other elements until there's no living fish, animal life, or plant life in the Sea of Galilee. You don't have to have an inner tube to float on the Sea of Galilee because of the density of the salt and the oil. You just go. I've been there. It was in January, so I didn't want to get in the water. It was cooler. But there were people there who were reading their newspaper on their backs without an inner tube because of floating on the sea. Huh? But the salt is terrible. There's no life there. But the river will flow from Jerusalem into the Sea of Galilee and there will be animal life and fish life and there will be vegetation life. Because when God sets up his kingdom, even all of nature is going to be uncursed and blessed. Can somebody say amen to that? Go ahead and give the Lord a praise, somebody. Now, let me show you several things about this, this teaching and I want you to get it. There are three positions in the realm of theological studies regarding this thousand years. And again, the, the word millennium means the same thing. When I say millennium and thousand years, it means the same thing. Okay? Here are three views, and I'll tell you which one we adhere to because of what we believe the Scripture teaches. The first view is that, known, that view known as amillennialism. I practice saying that. And, and those who teach this view says that there will be no millennium. Meaning... That the Bible is not to be taken literally about a thousand years of peace 
And those who teach this view says there won't be any millennium because Satan is already chained. <laughs> it's a mighty long chain, wouldn't you say? <laughs> and wouldn't it be wild if he broke loose from that chain? No, he's not chained right now. He is unchained ever since he fell from heaven. So you can tell I am not one who adhere to the amillennialism view of this thousand years. There's a second position known as post-millennialism, meaning after. Those who hold this position teach that Jesus will come after the church ushers in a thousand years of peace through preaching and social reform. This position states that the world will be better as time goes on and then Jesus will come. Well, those who hold that position forgot to read 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Because 2 Timothy 3 and 1 say, Know this also, that in the last days perilous time shall come. I mean, that's in the Bible. The Bible says before the coming of the Lord, the world's not going to get better. We have had thousands of years to make the world better. Humanity. Can I get a witness, somebody? Medical science, other kinds of science, military, governments, uh, peace treaties, armies have had lifetimes to, to bring in peace into our world. And they haven't been able. We have been preaching the gospel. We got preachers and pastors and churches and Bibles and DVDs and, and television and radio stations preaching the gospel. But the world's not getting any better. Can you hear what I'm saying? You know what? Because the Bible says in the last days, perilous times will come. The Bible says in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. This church should be slam-packed full every service we have. We should have already built another building for all the people that have come through this church and ministry for the last 35 years. But they, they were not slam-packed full because there's been a falling away. Every church in America would be slam-packed full if everybody who got saved and is alive was going to church today. But I'm telling you, we are not going to make the world better. It is the coming of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Somebody give him some thanks. There's a third view, please. And this view is the view which we hold to in our denomination. And we believe to be the scriptural, biblical position about the thousand years of peace. This view is the position, of course, that I'm teaching you about this morning. And it says that we believe that Christ will literally and bodily return to the earth before the thousand year kingdom begins. We believe the Bible teaches that Jesus, that's like I described to you earlier, will set up a throne and his kingdom in the rebuilt city of Jerusalem. After Jesus allows us to rule with him for a thousand years, he's going to turn over that kingdom to the heavenly father. And those kingdoms of the son and the father, hallelujah, are going to merge together. And then we're going to the Great white throne judgment. You know the part about this, the text that I read to you about the white throne and the judging and all? We're going to the white throne judgment, not we who are saved, but the unsaved of all the ages. And so what I want you to see is, is this position of the fact that, that the Prince of Peace will bring peace and the thousand years of peace won't happen because we did it, but because he did it. Let me show you another perspective, if you will, of what is taking place with this thousand years. The deceiver who is the devil, is jailed. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody loan me some handcuffs. I want to slap it on his wrist and say, book him, Dano. Some of y'all don't know that, but the new Hawaii 5 you Remember that? Come back. Yes. Look, at, look at chapter 20, verse 1. And if you have a neighbor that might need to look on with you, that's fine. Chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. There are six things that this angel is going to do to the devil. God's going to assign an angel to come down from heaven with a most unusual key. I don't know what it's going to look like. And a most unusual chain. And I don't know what that's going to be like. But it will hold. The key and the chain will hold. Six things will happen to the devil when this millennial kingdom starts. First of all, he's going to lay hold on him, the Bible says. Verse 2. He will lay hold on the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, that Satan, and he will bound him, tie him up for a thousand years. Can somebody say amen? Verse 3. And he will cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. Let, let me show you something else. The third thing going to happen to the devil 
as among the six things happening, he's going to be cast into a bottomless pit or an abyss. Can you imagine falling and never stop falling? Now, it gets pictured this idea of somebody jumping out of an airplane and without a parachute, and they ain't never going to meet the ground. <laughs> Let me tell you, I can't even get on Six Flags rides right now, so I don't want, you know, that ain't going to happen to me because I'm not the devil, because sometimes that's arguable. But anyhow, uh, the fact of the matter, bottom the spit. The fourth thing going to happen to this devil who's been around for years, multiplicity of years, this, this angel that... God assigns to the destruction of the devil. We use the key to lock him up in this bottomless pit. Picture, if you will, I'm just, just my imagination. It doesn't say it literally. Picture a large manhole being opened, the devil being drop kicked in there. And I hope the Lord calls for volunteers. How many of you like to drop kick the devil? Oh, yes. And I'd like to get the spirit of slap on me while I do it, too. But, but anyhow, I'll just move right on and lock him up. The fifth thing will happen to the devil that, that he's going to be, there's a seal on that manhole, if you will. We'll put on there, and the devil won't be allowed out. No longer to deceive the nations for at least a thousand years. And then the Bible says a sick thing that's going to happen to him is later on, after a thousand years is over, he is going to be let loose for a while. i explain it in just a minute. Here, here's my question that I want to answer. Why bind up the devil with chains and keys? Why does God finally put him under lock and key? And here's the answer. Several, several points to this answer. So that Satan cannot go around deceiving the nations during the thousand-year kingdom. For thousands of years, he has deceived the nations and the people of the nations into thinking they can build a better world without Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness here? He has lifted up other religions, other names. Muhammad, Hare Krishna, Buddha, the Dalai Lama. Do anybody hearing me? Uh, uh, transcendental meditations. He been, he's been deceiving people over the years and telling them, you don't need this Jesus Christ. There's more than one way to God and to heaven than just Jesus Christ. If anybody tells you, the devil's saying this to you now, if anybody tells you the only way to heaven eternal life is Jesus Christ, they are bigoted and narrow-minded. I won't tell you, that's a lie from the devil. Because the Bible itself declares that there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved other than Jesus. The Bible does not give you a buffet line where you can choose any religion and get to the same God. Somebody, if you're glad you know Jesus, give Him praise. That's a deception going on right now. I tell you, one of the most generous people that I know in the world, and I'd like to meet her one day, is Oprah Winfrey. She's a very generous woman. But the same Oprah Winfrey have entertained people numerous times on her show. That have been proponents of a other religion and other faith. Did anybody hear what I said? And I, I mean it sincerely. I'd like to meet her because she's such a benevolent woman. I, I, I'm saying to you, oh, my, 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 my. Hinduism. I grew up in Hinduism. I, I was not a Hindu. My mother and father converted from Hinduism. But I went to a Hindu elementary school. And I said the prayers and I did the, in, in the, the enchantments and all that kind of stuff uh, because I was supposed to, I had to do it. I wasn't worshipping. I was a boy. I knew better. But I, I was in the school. It was a way of getting an education. That's not the way to the Lord. But the devil who's going to be bound up won't be able to influence us the wrong way. Okay? I don't care. Listen, you know what Americans have done? We've taken athletes, television talk show Radio talk show people. Can I, can I get an amen here? We've taken people of all kinds of different backgrounds and uh, lauded them up and lifted them up. And, and, and they are worshiping in this age movement and that age movement. and, and all. We, because a Hollywood movie star says it's right, if it ain't in this book, that don't mean it's right. Can I get an amen? Because some talk show says it's right. Or because somebody got a Ph.D. in something of some kind. I'm not against education. The only thing that you and I will be judged by, I don't care if you're red skin, white skin, black skin, brown skin. I don't care if you grew up in the ghettos or you grew up in the penthouse. The only thing you and I will be judged by is thus saith the Word of God. Yes. And the Word of God says, there's no other. But the devil ain't going to have a chance in that thousand years to preach his garbage. Another reason why he's going to be bound up is because he's been telling the world and people, you can change. Education will change everybody and make them perfect. 
the environment. Put the people in the right environment and they'll change and be perfect. He's been deceiving the world to say that other religions will make the world perfect. How many know Adam and Eve was in the most perfect environment in the Garden of Eden? Yeah? yeah here's the thing about environment. You can be in a perfect environment, but it doesn't mean you have a change of heart. Can I get a witness here, somebody? You can put people in the most perfect environment there is. But if their heart's not right, they're going to mess that environment up too. So, so the deceiver, the devil, you know what he's done over the years? He has deceived the world and people into drugs, sexual immorality, lust. Can I get a witness? Greed and selfishness. You know what else the devil has done over the years? He has sponsored every program that excludes Jesus Christ. And more now than ever. Don't you get caught up in that bunch of junk this holiday, Christmas season. About exempting Jesus Christ because it's politically correct. Shame on us when we have a chance to... The world don't mind making mega millions off of the celebration of the birth of our Lord. Just don't call it Christmas and Christ and Oh Holy Night. They have Christmas in July so they can raid our pockets and our purse. And I'm a preaching little man if you ever heard little men preach. Yeah. They, they, they don't mind. They don't mind having our cards swipe in every kind of department store to make their bucks. But don't talk to me about the manger and the baby and the star and Christ and the shepherd and the wise man. Let me tell you something, friends. Don't you be in that number. You don't say happy holiday. You say Merry Christmas. God is alive and so is His Son. You wear your buttons. You wear your t-shirt. You wear your, your earrings and your necklace. And you announce that He is the Lord. He is the reason for the season. Jesus, you ought to help me praise God. Yeah. It's amazing in America. Amazing in America how people who migrate to this country bring their dead God and their dead religion and throw it on us. And tell us that we are profiling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go ahead. This goes on the internet, so I'm ahead of you. I want to be like Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God under salvation. I'm not telling you something I wish I could have. I've been changed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been changed. And I still need changing along the way, and His blood is still changing me. Man, I'm getting three or four sermons in this one sermon. Uh, let me show you what the kingdom of this, what that 1,000 years are going to look like without the devil. Now that's Isaiah 35. Hurry over there. Oh, have you ever wondered what the world's going to be like without a devil? Mm. There is going to be a change in the earth. Are you there at Isaiah 35? I'm glad because I'm not. Oh, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What page is it on? Hallelujah, Jesus. Look, look what the Bible says about this new kingdom. Verse 1. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall bloom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. Listen to this. Now in the, in the world geographically, there are places where food cannot grow. Deserts, wastelands, I don't care what you do, food cannot grow. Even if you pipe in water and try to have it there, the soil doesn't have the content of fertilization, of fertilizer. But God says in this new heaven and new earth, the earth is going to change. Even the ground that's been cursed is going to change. and It's going to yield a lot of fruit. And you know what? The Bible says if you and I don't praise the Lord, the rocks and the mountains will praise Him. They cry out. In that, in that kingdom, we aren't going to let rocks and mountains even now cry out for us. I, I, I like the song the choir sings about how God's changing things. Sometimes the choir sing and we sing it with them. Something's moving. Something's shaking. Something's shaking. This whole earth's going. You th oh, my. Have you ever imagined what living in the Garden of Eden without sin would be like? This is the earth. That's the earth that's coming. The difference is it's going to be better than the Garden of Eden. Because Jesus Christ is going to be our King of kings and Lord of lords and our president and our governor and our mayor and the city council and everything we need. 
Let me show you something else. Stay in Isaiah. There's going to, to be a change in the animal kingdom. Chapter 11. Go back several chapters to chapter 11. I'd like you to see this, although I don't have time to read it all, because I want you to have a place to show somebody where all this truth comes from. Isaiah 11, verse 6, if you're there, say amen. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. How I many know that ain't normal? Because if those two get together, somebody going to have dinner. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, they lie down together. A little child shall lead them. Wild animals, a little child going to go up and pet and not be hurt. Look at, look at verse 7. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. Verse 8, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the, oh, I feel a whoop, glory. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I remember seeing one documentary on, uh, I think it was the, Asian, the National Geographic Channel or some channel like that, where a lion took up to raise a deer, like a doe, whose mother was killed or whatever by a wild animal. And the lion had lost, lioness had lost her cub. And for weeks, this was such an unusual thing in, in, in some area of Africa. Some of you might have seen it. it was, yeah, amazing. This lion would lie down with this doe. And the deer would come to the lion as if she was her mother. The lion would, would seek out food otherwise elsewhere, but not turn on the doe. This went on for weeks. On one strange and rare occasion, the doe was separated from the lioness and another lion took the life of the doe. That's unusual. But that will be the custom of the day in the new kingdom. If a snake crawls into the backyard and your child's out there playing, he or she can just go over there and pet that snake. Because they can put... Now see, I got a streak of meanness coming on me right now. You go out and tell people that, that them Church of God folks over them holy rollers, they, they handle snakes. Bring your snake to Pastor Matura. When you bring that snake to me, I'm gonna t- you, all, you should bring that gun with you because I don't handle snakes. Bring your rifle with you when you come. And I will shoot that snake and then I'll turn around and shoot you for bringing it to me. Just wanted you to know how I feel about snakes. They ain't no good snakes. They have lied no other snakes, okay? And I'm just having a little fun with you, but don't test that, okay? I just lost them, God, but it was fun. Here's a third thing that will happen in that thousand-year peace. There's going to be a change in aging, sicknesses, and disease of the body. Might you now return to the 35th chapter of the same book, please? 35 Isaiah. Anybody know the Lord is with us and this is His words? Say amen. amen. Look at the miracles that's going to happen. We want miracles now and they happen, but they don't happen near as common or frequently. I don't use the word common lightly. They don't happen near as frequently as we want them today. Chapter 35, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Can I get an amen? amen. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Another healing. And the lame shall leap like a deer. Hey, Doug, right here in the front, you. I pray that you come out of that chair before Jesus comes. I pray you come out today. But there's coming a day you won't need that chair, brother. And I pray it's before those thousand years. But the, you, the, the Bible says the lame shall leap like a deer. Look at this. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Can I get an amen? Listen, in that 1,000 year, there won't be any emergency rooms. There won't be any hospitals. There won't be any uh, IV needles going in anybody's vein. There won't be any need for any feeding tube. I'm not against it. We've got to have medical help. Can I get an amen? Not against you having medical help. 
There won't be any need for paramedics. There won't be any need. And thank God for them. Okay, I'm not. In, I'm just simply saying to you now. You won't have to, to get your pill box ready because you know about the pill box. You got seven days a week. You got the A.M. pills and the P.M. pills and the middle of the day kind of pills. Can I get a witness here, somebody? Yeah, you know. And then some of you got to have candy in your purse or your pocket because you got diabetes and you may have a sugar drop and you got to take that. Nothing wrong with you taking care of yourself. But oh, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when when there will be no sickness and no disease and no hurting in our bodies because of the kingdom of God. Oh, thank God. So don't spend that $2,000, $5,000 or $10,000 getting that extreme makeover. You won't need it. There's a fourth thing that's going to happen in the kingdom of a thousand years when Satan is not there. There will be plenty on the earth. Can I get an amen? Do you know here in America, we, many of us, we and all of us, probably included, I know me, do not know how to appreciate how much we have, in, even in a recession. Do you know that we will throw away food on Thanksgiving Day in America? Even every household probably will throw away food that, some, that will be the sum total of what people won't even get to eat in a week in some parts of the world. We don't, we don't know how to appreciate, I think because we've had it so much, just go in the grocery store and there it is. We don't know how to appreciate the fact of how much we've got. And I'm included, especially me. And there, there are places where people, my Lord, they have, they have they've given their children into slavery. They have given some, they've given up their land. They've given up their animals just to live another day. But when the kingdom of God comes on this earth and Jesus Christ is our King of kings and Lord of lords, there will be plenty of food. There will be an abundance of warehouse, an abundance of produce and vegetation and life, plenty for everybody. Can I get an amen here? Let me, let me show you something else, and I won't, I won't tarry that. The fifth thing that's going to happen in this kingdom, there will be peace on the earth. Go to Isaiah chapter 2, everybody. Go back very quickly. If you're still with me, say amen. Mm-mm-mm. Peace on the earth. Isaiah 2 and 2. Look at what it says in verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the latter days... That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Listen to what I just taught you earlier. That's the city of Jerusalem. That's where the kingdom of Jesus is going to be on the earth. And people will come and go from there because of their worship. Look at verse 3. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears and the pruning hooks. Nations shall lift up their sword against nation. Neither shall they learn any more war. Somebody say amen. You know, instead of them getting their rifles ready for war, they're going to get their rifles, their swords, and their weapons, and go to some kind of place where there's a, uh, you know, where, the, where you know how the blacksmith heats up metal and make it into different things. Can I get an amen? Instead of soldiers getting their rifles and their bullets ready, they're going to take their weapons and go to the blacksmith, and they're going to make a shovel out of it to help somebody cultivate the soil. And know what the Bible says? Beat their swords into plowshares? Because they're going to... Study war no more. We're going to study war no more. We're going to study war no more. You're all looking at me. You ever heard the song, Leave Your Burdens? Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside, we'll leave your burdens. Down by the riverside, carry them no more. It goes like this, we're going to carry them no more, carry them no more, carry them no more. Carry them no more, carry them no more, carry them no more. Yeah, you ought to clap, not for me, for him. Some of you still look like you ain't got up yet, but that's okay. You can leave your burden by the riverside too. Oh, can you imagine, can you imagine the Word of God? They are not going to... No, hurry, 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 hurry. There, there, there'll be a change in government. Revelations eleven fifteen. I, I, I'll read this to you. You don't have to find it. Revelation eleven fifteen says, And the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. We preached about that. And there was great voices in heaven saying, 
Can you imagine a million voice choir? I'm just using my imagination because there are great voices in heaven. Could be a million, could be a hundred. I don't know. The voices were saying, the kingdom of this world I become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Uh, Listen to me. There ain't going to be no Republicans. There ain't going to be no Democrats. There ain't going to be no Green Party, Tea Party. Nothing. Just a kingdom of God. There ain't going to be no dictators and communism and Nazi. One kingdom of our Lord God. One God and Lord alone. The government's going, and there will be righteousness. The seventh thing will happen when Satan is gone. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I know I'm, I know I'm the one talking, you listening. I'm trying to hurry. The Bible says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I tell you, in order for that to happen, there got to be no devil. He's gone for a thousand years at least. Can you imagine? There they won't be all these terrorists. I mean, isn't it amazing how a few terrorists can mess up our lives? Hmm? There won't be any people perverted looking and staring in people's window to fulfill some kind of perverted lust. Can I get another amen here? Righteousness and peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. I need, I need to try to wrap it up with this, this final major thought. Why have a millennium? Why a thousand years? Pastor Allen, after we've just gone through seven years, the world has, of tribulation and seal judgment and bowl judgment and hell on earth and trumpet judgment, after having the Antichrist destroyed and his assistant, meaning the false prophet, and the devil thrown in the bottomless pit, why just not leave him there and have a, have a uh, go on to heaven? I tell you why, because God never makes a mistake in what he does. God never has a thousand years, a day, or an hour without a purpose, 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 purpose. And there's a purpose for this. The purpose is, is, is probably a, a five thoughts, very quick. Number one, he is going to have a millennium to reward the saints. Can I get a witness here? Because in Matthew 16 and 27, the Bible says, The Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he shall reward every man according to his works. Look at me and listen just a minute. When we go to heaven in the marriage supper of the Lamb, while tribulation is on earth, God's going to judge every Christian, everybody there. Not judging us whether we are uh, competent to stay in heaven. Once you get raptured, that's your ticket. You ain't coming back down. Ain't you glad of that? But what he's going to judge us about is what we did while we were Christians with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And he's going to give us rewards in the new kingdom, the thousand years. Some of you are going to be presidents. They may not be called presidents because we're going to be called kings and priests in the kingdom. Some of you, ain't, your name hadn't been in no lights. It hadn't been in no magazine. Your photo hadn't been on the cover of any magazine. You, some of you and all, uh, some of us, we're thinking, I can barely just get my life going. I can barely scrape out an existence. How am I going to be king or priest? Because you kept reading, reading the Bible. You kept going to church. You kept giving your tithe and offerings. You helped widows and orphans. You volunteered in the choir or the nursery. You went to the jail or the prison, gave some time. You didn't just show up in church when somebody's mother died or it was Mother's Day. I'm a preaching little Indian. You understand what I'm saying? You didn't, just, you didn't just want God or some Santa Claus in the sky to fix your mess and then you go back and live like hell. But you serve, oh, I'm, I'm just being plain because that's how the devil is. But you serve God. You thought the pastor didn't even notice. The members didn't even notice. Didn't get my name. Didn't get college. Didn't finish a degree. And the Bible says you were faithful in the little things. And God's going to make you ruler over many things. Yeah. You won't get your reward. And God's going to give you some of that reward in the thousand years. Get ready. Here's another reason why there's a tribulation. Pardon me. There's a millennium. To respond to the Lord's prayer. Growing up as a boy, I learned the Lord's prayer. Many of you did as boys and girls and adults. We teach our children. 
part of the Lord's Prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Acknowledge that that's part of the prayer. Amen. And a thousand years of peace will be the manifestation of God's kingdom coming on the earth. As it is on earth, so will it be in heaven. To respond to the Lord's prayer. There's a third reason why there will be a thousand years. To redeem all of creation. Did you know that creation has been under a curse since the Garden of Eden? Did you know that? Thorns, thistles, pain in childbirth, headaches and hassles of all kinds. God wants us to see His purpose for the millennial kingdom. What the earth could have been, should have been, and ought to have been without sin. You see, God never made this earth for us to abuse it. Can I get a witness here? Waste it and pollute it. I'm not a tree hugger, but I think we ought to preserve our environment. I think we ought to pick up our trash. Come on, help me here, somebody. I'm all about keeping the earth clean and the older I get, the more I get about crazy about that stuff. Man, I used to brush my teeth with the water running wide open and just going at going them thing, you know. And now I just turn that water down, turn it off, give a good old brushing. I used to wash my face, now I'm washing my whole head. <laughs> but less water. I, I, I'm more about, you see these little blue buckets, green buckets alongside the trash can? You ought to do that. You ought to, you ought to, you ought to yeah, come on, get an amen, somebody. Yeah. Because all of creation has been cursed by the curse of death. And God's going to redeem creation. A couple more thoughts very quickly. You know why there's going to be a thousand years of peace? To realize the covenants. Do you know that God has some promises of covenants he made with some of his people yesteryear that those covenants are not complete? I'm hurrying. It's the Abrahamic covenant. With Abraham, long before you and I were ever born, thousands of years. God promised Abraham that his seed, meaning the nation of Israel, will be to a, in a certain geographical location in the world, and they'll have all this territory. They don't have it now. You know that? Do you know more and more Israel is being increasingly called upon to give up land for peace? And a little spot in the world is getting more and more tight, tight, tight. But when Jesus comes back for the thousand years, every square footage prophesied through the Old Testament, through the prophets of the Old Testament, where God said, this will be your northern territory, this will be your western, eastern, southern territory. All of the Abrahamic covenant will be fulfilled for Israel in a thousand years. Do you know what else is going to happen? You know, God made a covenant with David. And with David, God said to David, your throne is going to exist forever, David. God said to David, remember that he's going to have an everlasting kingdom? And an everlasting king, that's not complete. But when Jesus comes back, because Jesus is out of the house of David, hello? Jesus then is going to fulfill that covenant of his kingdom from the house of David forever. I'm just trying to tell you, there's going to be a thousand years for a reason. And finally, to reveal the result of Jesus Christ's rule. You know, as I, as I wrap this up here. Uh, the question is asked, well, why, why, why will the devil be released after a thousand years? Why does this not leave him bound? Because during that thousand years, people get saved. Everybody have their own free will. The earth will be repopulated. Can I get another amen here? Uh, because, can you imagine how much the earth can grow in, in a thousand years? People living, dying. They'll have their own free will. And even in the midst of people living in a thousand years of peace, or ten years of peace, or seventy years of peace, or eighty years of peace, or however how long they live, there's still going to be those who don't want to serve the Lord. Because God's given them the free will. And Satan's going to be released one last time to show mankind that they still have an opportunity and a choice. Jesus or the devil. But if they choose the devil, they'll be destroyed. And the Bible says that he'll be released, Satan will be released to vindicate God's justice. He's a righteous God. If you'll choose him, he'll keep you. But then the Bible says that Satan will be cast. But what's going to happen is, it's in a, in a text. After that time that he's released, Gog and Magog is going to come to 
the zenith of their power. Gog is the name of a ruler that will take position at the end of the thousand years. His kingdom is Magog. I don't know if those names will be real then, but they are now. And this kingdom of Gog and Magog will hitch up with the devil and try to overthrow Jesus one last time. But God not going to send an army. He's not going to send white horses. He's not going to send anything. But fire from heaven burn them up and destroy them. And it's over. And the white throne judgment comes. The white throne judgment means everybody who died a sinner and who are alive as a sinner will face God. And he will say to those who are sinners, depart from me. You cast into everlasting fire. He's going to open up. Next slide, please, if you'll help me with that. I know I've gone long, but, but Terry, just a moment. The Bible says, I read to you, there'll be books opened. Isn't it what it says? And there'll be one book open known as the book of life. How many know God don't need books? John just said that because there was nothing else to compare it with. He didn't have CDs and DVDs and, 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 and floppy disks. God don't need books to know whether I make it or not. But that was just John saying, God's got a record and he's got a book. And if your name's not in the book... You're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Please listen to me. There will be millions who will run to the foot of the white throne of God and say, But God didn't I give in the offering that Sunday? Didn't I visit the nursing home one time? And didn't I sing in the choir one time? Didn't I go to church? And God's going to say, Sorry, I never knew you. Depart from me. He cursed into everlasting fire. Because, but why God? Because you used to me. Because you toyed with me. You didn't serve me. No more than I am interested or you are interested in our spouse committing adultery and fornication repeatedly in our marriage covenant. And we keep taking them back. No more than we are interested in that. God's not interested in we being married to him as his bride committing spiritual adultery. And he'll say, sorry, I never knew you. Please bow. You don't have to hear those words. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Do not, do not let a boyfriend or a girlfriend keep you from heaven this morning. Do not let a boat, a car, a bank account, or somebody's estimation of value of you as a person keep you from heaven. Nobody can save you but Jesus. Pastor, if I die today, sir, I know and God knows that I'm not right and I won't go to heaven. My soul will not go to heaven. Pastor, if Jesus Christ comes today, sir, I will be one of those left behind. You told us we don't have to be. You do not want to be left behind. You think you've had hell on earth. You hadn't seen nothing yet. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Without me begging you, praying saints are praying all around us. Pastor, I need to be saved. I do not want to go to hell. I don't know everything about prophecy. I don't understand everything about the Bible. But I understand that God cannot lie. And he will not let his son Jesus die in vain. I have to answer with what I do with Jesus. Somebody's praying. I have to answer what I do with Jesus. If I'm doing nothing, it means I reject Jesus. If I'm doing nothing, doesn't mean I'm saved. I've got to give my life to Him. If you're not saved and you want to be today, before you leave, raise your hands and I will pray for you in a moment. Hold it up right now. You're praying with me, church? Come on, there's several hands. Come on. Do you, be brave and strong. Pray. I need some Christians to break some spirits that are here this morning. I see. Come on, raise up those hands. Hold it up. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Six. Come on, in faith. Seven, eight, nine. Thank you, Jesus. Put, put the hands down. Those of you that raised your hands just now, keep them down for a moment. Please hear me. I'm talking to people today that God's giving you another chance and you are not right with God. You got your name on church rolls. You got Bibles all over the house. You know how to talk the talk. But your heart is cold towards God and you're living a secret life that God cannot bless. And you're backslidden. 
and you cannot go to heaven as a backslider. If you didn't raise your hand a moment ago, if that's you, I'm not here to put you on camera. I'm not going to make you stand up before the church and everybody shame you. No, no, no. Pastor, I did not raise my hand a moment ago. I must raise it now. you got ten seconds. Nine, eight, seven. Raise your hands if that's you. Five, four. Thank you. Thank you. There's two more. Thank you. There's a third. Thank you. Oh, God bless you. Time is running out. One more, one more second. Hold it up. Thank you. Thank you. Put them down. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody reach up to heaven like you're reaching up to give a God a, 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 a high five. If you can, reach up like you're touching the sky. Come on, reach up and then raise up your voice and thank God you're not going to hell. Raise up your voice and thank God you are not going to be cast in the lake of the fire with the devil and, and the Antichrist and the false prophet. Raise your voices. Thank you, Lord.